0: or contact them online at eagleharborinsurance.com. Today's podcast is brought to you by Blue Canary. The bird has landed on beautiful Bainbridge Island, conveniently located at 499 Madison Avenue. ASE Master Technician, Clint Ramsey, brings over 15 years of experience, award-winning diagnostic skill, and a desire to reinvent the automotive repair experience. Schedule an appointment online at bluecanary.biz or call them today at 206-451-4220. Our podcast is brought to you by That's a Sum Pizza. Using a 120 year old starter from the Klondike Gold Rush, they make unique sourdough crusts that can't be found anywhere else in the world. That's a Sum Pizza also delivers wine and beer. Call 206 842 2292. Order online at thatsasum.com or download That's a Sum Pizza app on Android and iOS. Congratulations to the team of Alan Raymond and Will Grant who brought home the first place trophy from the recent Caputo Cup at the Pizza and Pasta Show in Atlantic City. I got something for your mind, body and soul. Mind, body and soul All right. Welcome, Podcastville. How you doing today, Dennis?
1: Uh, good to be here, Dennis Reynolds, folks.
0: Hi, Dennis. Um, I brought you in to talk a little bit about what's going on with uh, City Council and your involvement uh, against the, um, kind of representing the real realtors and the land owners here at Bainbridge Island, but uh, let's get, warm you up here a little bit. Who do the Seahawks need to uh, get in the draft first? <laughs>
1: You know, uh, I'm I'm still looking at a defensive back.
0: Yeah, what do you, what do you think about uh, Griffin's brother there?
1: Maybe. He's I'm still on my season tickets. Is, uh, maybe you've used them. I know a lot of people have. And... No, I've, I haven't gone. But um, you're you're next. Thanks, Dennis. I appreciate it. <laughs> Sending you with my nephew Mike. All right.
0: well, shout out to Mike. What's happening, life coach? <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, I got a little segment, Fast Five, to warm you up with, okay? I'm going to give you five questions, and you tell me the answers as fast as you can.
1: Fast Five. Fast Five. Fast Five. Fast Five. Fast Five. Fast Five.
0: Judge Judy or Judge Wapner?
1: I don't watch it.
0: (laughs) Um, Worst legal advice you've ever overheard somebody else give?
1: Don't listen to your attorney.
0: (laughs) Who's the best uh, crime fighter in the superhero realm?
1: Uh, I always like Batman.
0: Batman's the world's best detective. often think of myself as the Bainbridge Island Batman.
1: He's got a neat car, guys.
0: Yeah, a real neat car. Um, What's the key to a happy marriage?
1: Well, your wife's your best friend. I've been married 48 years, and folks, if you're married and your spouse is not your best friend, work on it. Yeah. If it's a long day, Teddy will be the first person I ever call. It's neat to be 48 years of marriage and still have dates with your wife.
0: Yeah, I've seen you on a few dates with oh, Teddy. Oh, yeah. fun. Going out to the high school football games. Oh, yeah. Out to dinner, and I, I appreciate you guys' relationship. You guys are definitely a solid couple.
1: And I don't think we're that unusual in Bainbridge Island. There's still a really good sense of community here, despite the lawsuit we're going to talk about.
0: (laughs) Who was your favorite president of all time?
1: That's tough. I probably grew up with John Kennedy. So that's somebody I grew up as a young person. So I'm not so sure. Parts of Reagan's presidency was not bad, though I wasn't as conservative back then as I am now. And parts of the second term for Wild well, Willie, he wasn't the pretty good president, actually.
0: How do you think Trump's doing?
1: Well, uh, I don't use it. Let me put it this way. I'm a conservative Republican, and I couldn't support him. And that's probably all I should say. Other, uh, I don't support people with that kind of personality.
0: Yeah, and it's hard to talk in this community about politics or religion without somebody going sideways on us.
1: Yeah, well, it's his public position towards minorities, and you know the Catholic seems to see his church. Some of the best parishioners are Hispanics, and some are our best friends. And we need to come together. Yeah, for we sure. Need, we need consensus. There's- we'll talk about that when we talk about the litigation.
0: Hey, well, let's just dive into this because this is a super hot topic. I've been getting lots of letters and emails to talk about the aquifer situation and the land use and what's going on here. Um, Can you bring us up to speed? Sure.
1: Folks, there's two pieces of legislation that emanated out of city council with the new council that started up in January of this year. One's the moratorium. And the second one is the new CAO or Critical Areas Ordinance. That's Ordinance Number 2018-1. The moratoriums are basically applying to the residential districts on the island. There are exceptions to it. But overall, it's basically a hold in filing new applications. And I think the moratorium was passed to keep people from investing. Against the new critical area ordinance, vesting in Washington State means that if you file a land use application and then laws are enacted after, those new laws don't apply to your project. It's a very liberal vesting rule in Washington State. I've commented on the moratorium. If it's if it's extended for another six months or more than I anticipate there will be litigation. Uh, In 2008, we struck down a rolling moratorium on Bainbridge Island that went to the state Supreme Court, where the city kept having a moratorium and it extended, then it extended again, and the court found that was too much. But I'm here today to talk about the new CAO, Ordinance 2018, which you refer to the, quote, protection of aquifers ordinance. Yeah, it's
0: it's a huge document, 81 pages. Right. It, it's hard for the common folk to get through that and, you know, derive any direction from it.
1: That's correct. And to help the community, and we've done this before, we were involved in the litigation for the Bainbridge Island Shirley Master Program. We were representing the build, represented the building industry in that matter and the Kitsap County Realtors. And one of the things we did for that litigation was to have a community forum to explain to the public the details and impacts of the new shoreline regulations. We'll be doing the same thing for the new critical area ordinance. Uh, a week from this Monday, there'll be a community forum at the Uh, Art Museum, and there's a publication today, folks, in the local paper with a notice uh, informing of the um, community forum. And at that forum, there'll be some citizen speakers who talk about the impacts of the ordinance on residential property owners in Bainbridge Island. Then I'll talk about some PowerPoints on what the ordinance does. And a gentleman from the Pacific Legal Foundation will come and talk about the consequences of the ordinance. So it'll be about an hour to hour and a half form. Uh, The speakers speakers won't go that long, but there'll be undoubtedly a lot of questions. So I'll also post on our website some of the an overview of the details of the ordinance, so the public could just come in and read it for themselves.
0: Okay, I'll put your website in the. Uh, show notes here. Yeah, if you would please oh, bring. There's so many topics. I don't even know where to start. And when I was when I knew you were coming in, I it was tough for me to even pick what the most important part of it is. Uh, I've
1: got a suggestion that may help, but well, first of all, you talk about the length of it. This isn't an, an up an update because of new information or changed circumstances. It is not. It's a wholesale rewrite. And what I've seen, I handled the Visconti project a few years ago, which is a commercial development across the street, high school, across the street from McDonald's where the drugstore is and, uh, and the uh, new medical clinic went in. And that project cut down less trees than were allowed, but there was a backlash by some members of the community, including one of the current city council members, who has pushed the moratorium in the new critical area ordinance. And so, in Wisconsin, that was a commercially zoned area. Right, pro where, build was already yeah, there. Pro build was there, oh, and the bank. The bank and under the Growth Management Act, which the city plans under, the city has an obligation to accept new growth. Right. Including commercial growth.
0: Countywide, right? Yeah,
1: county. Yeah, the county allocates growth to cities and the city of Bamba is a city. So under the Growth Management Act, the new growth goes into cities, not rural areas.
0: And that's like every ten years there. Yeah,
1: every ten seven to ten years they'll do an update of the comprehensive plan, the city just went through its periodic update and adopted a new comprehensive plan last year. So I think, so this is where the two rocks, the two meteors, meteorites collide. You have this attitude of broad, very subjective goals under the comprehensive plan that talk about our quality of life In the nature and sense of Bainbridge Island, and to some people that means trees and not development. Then you have the choice the citizens made to X the entire island in 1992 into Winslow to become a city. And once you do that under the Growth Management Act, you're obligated to accept the growth. I had the first appeal under the Growth Management Act where Tumwater took the position. We had to plan for growth, but not accept it. And the board said, no, you have to, since you're an urban area, a city, you have to accept the growth. So I'm kind of leaning towards what many members of the community say, that this is just a ploy on the part of the city council to use development regulations like critical area regulations, to control and stop residential growth, and in, in effect, a de facto prohibition on residential development. To get around the requirements of the Growth Management Act, and the reason I say that is not just the public comments about preservation of trees, but the background of the some of the members of the City Council opposed the Wisconsin project.
0: Yeah, there's a bit of hypocrisy, or well, perceived hypocrisy. I think hypocrisy. so. It's,
1: I might use several terms. I might say it's well-intended, but it still fails. The city went to, back to the Washington legislature a number of times to try to exempt itself from the obligation to accept new residential growth. And the legislature said no. Your uh, urban growth area and growth is going to go into the city of Bainbridge Island. And there was an historic appeal I handled in 1995 where the city asked for some larger lot zoning, which was unusual for a city. And the board agreed with that in part upon the condition that the city could not enact development regulations that would affect prohibit growth. And so that's what I mean about – maybe hypocrisy is a good word. I mean, on one hand they want the benefits of growth management planning to be a city, but on the other comes the burdens or affirmative obligations, which is to accept growth. And to try to try to have the old have your cake and eat it too is not gonna work under the Growth Management Act. So I think the Growth Management Hearings Board I anticipate there will be an appeal within the next several weeks to the Growth Management Hearings Board contesting Ordinance number 2018-1. And one of the arguments to the board will be the new CIO violates the instructions the board gave to the city in 1995, which is don't, de- don't enact development regulations that essentially prohibit growth.
0: Now, does this affect commercial growth as well?
1: The city's position, and I tend to agree with it, is the – Ordinance is aimed at residential zones, which comprise somewhere about 70 or 80 percent of the island. And I looked at the science, and we had, I guess, a s- several points for the community to chew on. First of all, the Kitsap County PUD, Kitsap County use infiltrates wastewater from its plant and has – basically recharge their aquifers using that technique. Bainbridge Island doesn't do so, but that option's out there. And Since that option's out there and has been proven to work in other portions of Kitsap County, why isn't it being used on the island instead of telling people we want 65% of your land in a conservation easement? We'll tell you where your house has to go. And uh, We're doing all of this to protect aquifers. It's Like the movie Bridge Too Far, I think the ordinance is about 10 bridges too far. (laughs) So how do we currently recharge the aquifers? Well, it's done naturally. It's a complex process. It's done in part by the natural system and in part by regulations. The science shows that where you have development like grass and lawns, that ends up with more actual discharge into the aquifers than trees because a lot of the rainfall that goes on natural systems actually evaporates. Number two, you do it by regulation. The current regulations require stormwater controls and all development of Bainbridge Island. And the new stormwater manuals from the Department of Ecology require 100% infiltration on site. So you stop again and say, why are we protecting a natural system that's not as effective as development? And why are we protecting an aquifer that's already protected by the stormwater regulations, which require 100% infiltration? That's why you hear members of the community saying, this is all about politics or social engineering. It doesn't have anything to do with protection of the aquifer. Yeah, it
0: it seemed like to me, at least, and this is just my opinion, that they just grabbed at the aquifer out of thin air without a lot of science in the backing to to prove that that was an, a necessity. Correct.
1: The science is real sketchy because you're trying to make predictions 100 years out. A close read of the science, and this will come out in the Growth Management Hearings Board, is let's say the impacts happen that are sort of predicted – the impacts are minor. You may take a well and have to drill it fi- in a hundred years, five or ten feet deeper, mm. to go slightly deeper in the aquifer. You're not mining the aquifer on Bainbridge Island. That's not happening. That's maybe happening in portions of eastern Washington, but not in Bainbridge Island, not in Kitsap County. So again, the cities then says, "Well, precautionary approach." We don't really know, so we're going to be real careful and we're going to err in the side of caution. The problem with that is under the case law, you can't use science in a way that takes away protected property rights and in Washington state, there's a the fundamental right to not just own property but develop it and use it. So that will be – that's the core of the challenge. In the lawsuit filed in Kitsap County Superior Court by the realtors, is that the county impermissibly used science just to take away property rights? Yeah,
0: and it, it, it didn't seem like the the science was proven, and they used it.
1: Uh, that's correct. That first you statement. have to use best available science, but there's a point to which the courts will say if it's precautionary and maybe a hundred years out in predictions. You get into the realm of surmise or speculation, and you can't take away property rights based upon guesses, and the city is going to have to face that in the litigation. The other part is, too, that I mean, there's case law that's already struck down these 65 percent vegetation set aside in King County, yet the city attorney... The ordinance claims has looked at all of this and blessed it as not being a viol- The ordinance not being a violation of property rights. This the King County case struck down a 65 percent protective set aside, and we have 65 percent protective set aside here for aquifers. I don't know what case did he did he fail to read, and I'm not saying it's in a personal sense. We've asked for a copy of the. City Attorney's uh, analysis of property rights, and we've been told that it's voluminous, and the public can't have it till July or August. It's a one, it's a single document. So you can see that's the reaction today by City Hall, and I'll talk about this the public, in the public forum in a week. Wow, well,
0: uh, well, how does the vegetation law read right now for Bainbridge Island?
1: Well, it's pretty complex. One of the arguments in the it's, it's a layer of uh, regulations. The first thing you do, under the Growth Management Act, the city was allowed to have some residential zones that are called large lots. A lot of the zoning in Bain-Bajayagan, which is unique for a city, is one dwelling unit per two and a half acres. So the first way you protect the aquifer is large lot zoning, which we already have. In other words, we're not putting you know, five or six or seven or eight houses per acre. You're putting one house per two and a half acres. The next thing you have, you have clearing limits, both under the existing tree ordinance and the land clearing ordinance. And there's two, two layers of regulation to protect how much land you can clear. The third thing is, is the limitation and creation of new impervious surface. The fourth limitation is you have to infiltrate all stormwater created by development and infiltrate it on site. Yeah, it has to go somewhere. Yeah, And then on top of that, you have the Shoreline Master Program, which also regulates within shoreline areas. So you have five distinct regulatory systems, plus you have the State Environmental Policy Act, which is a sixth system because... In this state, you can use the State Environmental Policy Act to mitigate or condition projects to protect the environment. So you have six levels of existing regulation and suddenly we come up with this new ordinance. There's actually not a piece of paper where the city looked at the efficacy of these existing regulatory systems before they enacted the new CAO.
0: Could we combine all these into one type of act or – uh,
1: That might be the best way to proceed. At least there ought to be an analysis of the efficacy of the systems and and see that if there's really additional regulations like prohibitions on 65 percent of your property being off limits to development, that's a pretty big additional step when I said the bridge 10 times too far. Uh, but that didn't occur here. That's why you get back again to what's the real motivation for this is to answer the people that really don't like the Growth Management Act but want to be a city but don't want the growth. So I guess the board will figure that out.
0: Tell me this. this one day all of a sudden there was just hundreds of trees cleared out across from Rotary Park, Owens Playground there. sure. How did that get passed under all these uh, Regulatory situations. Well,
1: what the city did last several years was tighten their local tree ordinance. So there's obligations now to protect more trees even in commercial developed areas like the Wisconsin Project. And again, that project, they left more trees than they were required to. Sometimes it might be a reason that permits were issued that were vested and are still in effect that allow more clearing than you have now. I don't think there's anybody at the forum. I'm going to ask people, is there anybody in this audience who doesn't care about the environment and doesn't want to be a good steward of their land? I don't think anybody's going to raise their hand. So it's not an idea that it's clear-cutting, versus pristine forests. It's a lot more complex than that. The city council will take a project where people thought more trees were taken and say that's going to be the island. That's not the system they've already developed to protect trees and vegetation. So the real question is, why do you have to end up prohibiting 65% of the use of a property when you have all these other techniques? Ostensibly protect the aquifer when you can take the wastewater treatment Wastewater from the treatment plant and infiltrated, and you're already requiring 100% infiltration on site as stormwater. The city council doesn't have an answer to that question.
0: I mean, here's probably a stupid question, but
1: on, in this con, there's no stupid questions.
0: <laughs> I, you know, aquifer was a term that I, I really didn't know right. for a right. long time, and now it's it's commonplace. Everybody's talking about aquifers. Sure. Now, I understand that aquifers can run under the ground, um, and then there's uh, wetland preservation. and
1: recharge areas. The wetlands recharge. recharge.
0: And we're on an island in the middle of the Sound. Why do we have a deficiency um, in aquifer supply?
1: There isn't. Case closed. Yeah, there really isn't. And EPA declared the entire island a sole aquifer source. That was a, that's for planning purposes, which I thought was a really good step. That means because we are an island and we have an aquifer, we're going to protect it. And one of the good things about the new CAO that we haven't challenged is the sections that prohibit pollutants. That, that's really a bigger concern than adequate amounts of water for residential growth. The ordinance does a reasonably good job on that and has updated some of the standards. So I want to assure the public that those things will stay in place. We're not challenged. I
0: heard a stat that the islands, um, only about 30% developed, and there's
1: 70%. Right. 30, uh, a little over 30% of Bay Island is already in open space or parks, which is one, if not the highest, percentage for a municipality in the state of Washington. And that's in perpetuity. So... You stand back and look at the large lot zoning for a lot of the island, the 30% that's already in open space, and you ask yourself, isn't the new CAO a solution looking for a problem? Isn't the new CAO a solution looking for a problem? There's a problem that's not there. Do you think
0: this was um, something that was thought out by some of these city council members that they wanted to purposely throw this? Out there.
1: Well, I think I purposely wanted to answer people could think there's been too much development in Bainbridge Island, but that's a starting point, not an ending point, because if that's your philosophy, then you knock heads with the Growth Management Act and the city has problems sustaining that when there's an affirmative obligation to accept growth. That's why I point out the existing regulatory systems that are working on the problem now or concern, not problem, the concern, and also the options f- to infiltrate wastewater into the system, the aquifer like Kinsett County POD does. So that's fairly critical of the city council, in effect, wanting to worship trees and rocks and water. It's much more complex than that. And to the city council's credits, really past city council's, this island has a highly sophisticated regulatory system to protect vegetation and elements of the environment, including wetlands and aquifers.
0: When it comes to landowners and their outcry right now, what kind of percentage of land are they capable of building on right now? It seems like well, it's, it's just, smaller than a, the size yeah. of a house.
1: Yeah, we take a, let's take a two-and-a-half-acre lot First of all, sixty percent is going to be off limits to development. Let me check my notes. I think they may allow a two hundred square foot single structure within the aquifer protection zone. That's a hut. Yeah, hut. Um, Yurt. And then, within the protected area, there's severe restrictions on pruning vegetation. It's a very small percentage, and if you want to cut down any more than, if you want to prune more than ten percent of your sixty-five percent, which is off limits, you have to have an ISA certified arborist be on site and sign off on the uh, on on the pruning. Um, In order to remove invasive species, you can only remove – you can only limit or remove invasive species so long as – if it, only if it stays under 2,500 square feet. And then if you remove it, you've got to replant with native vegetation. So if, if I have like my back
0: 40 woods or whatever and it just has brambles galore and I send my goats to – Right, eat more than that. I have to replant it. Yeah,
1: and you need an arborist to, to sign off on it. And the biggest problem with all of this, and I haven't talked about it because I want to get to s- distill this down some, is the burden of proof. Under these kind of regulations, both the state courts and the United States Supreme Court have this concept of nexus, N-E-X-U-S, and proportionality. And the idea is in land use regulations, if you're going to put a burden on a property owner, like 65% of your lands essentially uh, uh, into a preservation status, the burden to show the necessity for that is on government yet bain bur puts the burden on the property owner. So you have to hire an expensive hydrologist to do a study to try to prove the negative, and it's really impossible. So one of the challenges in the realtor's lawsuit is that the city got it backwards, and it it allocated the burden to the property owner when the burden's on government. So that's probably, of, of all the scary things, that's even to me scarier than the 65% restriction is all the burdens placed in, on you as a property owner to prove you can do anything. And I listen to city planners tell the audience that they're we, the city, are the experts and we know where your house should go on your two and a half acres. And so this attitude is almost that all the rights flow from government. And that's not a republican form of government. The rights are inherent in the people. Uh, Citizens on this island already have property rights and they've delegated certain limited authority to government. So one of the things in the realtor suit was to stare the city in the eye and say, hey guys, we're going back to our republican form of government. It doesn't mean you can't have reasonable regulation. But this attitude that you only have the rights we give you is being challenged head-on in that litigation.
0: Now, if I already have property and I don't have 65% vegetation, should I be required to plant 65% vegetation now? Well,
1: portions of the ordinance, particularly the portions that say you can maintain and have slight expansions, very slight, of existing buildings or areas. To me, the city needs to explain this better, but there's allegations that in order to repair buildings or do a very slight expansion, and the expansion is severely limited, that just uh, you have to actually mitigate by restoring or planting new vegetation. That's the one part of the ordinance that to me is a little unclear. And it's internally inconsistent, so we'll raise that issue to the Growth Management Handlings Board. I'm checking my notes here for just a second on the limits on.
0: What do you got there, a couple thousand documents in front of
1: you? Yeah, this is the lawsuit. (laughs) Oh, a couple more things. Um, On the reasonable use exception, the city tells everybody, don't worry, we have safety vows. Well, in order to get a reasonable use exception, you don't get one unless you cannot buy a development right for somebody. So the first thing they make you do is to buy a right to develop your land, which you already have. (laughs) And then if you can't buy it, then you get a reasonable use exception limited to uh, building a 1200, 1,200 square feet. Wow. How do you keep this all straight? Well, for me, it's been my lifetime of 46 years. I worked and came out of state government. I started in 72, and I litigated most of the larger environmental and land use cases of the state of Washington, including the SASA nuclear power plant, the mid-Columbia PUD litigation, um, the mercer Island floating bridge, and I took that state experience and in Turned out to be really valuable through the I years. Bet. I worked on the Exxon Valdez oil spill case. I've done a fair number, a substantial number of test cases for the Washington State Realtors Association and the Building Industry Association of in Washington. So I think my public law experience was some of the best things I ever did and it gave me very marketable skills and knowledge. I don't hold myself out as being smarter than anybody else, but I've walked a a lot of roads (laughs) 46 years, all in this area of practice.
0: You're a hot shot. I just thought you were a football fan like me.
1: (laughs) I'm a legend in my own mind.
0: Nice. I'm really, really big in Japan myself.
1: Anything else? Um, Now, again, folks, uh, check the paper today for the ad on the community forum, and I'll be posting on my website in Monday.
0: Yeah, t- tell everybody your website.
1: Oh, uh, I can't remember it. It's on my staff updates. It's,
0: That's how big you are, man.
1: Well, it's <laughs> it's you just put www. Dennis Reynolds Law Firm, and it'll pop up.
0: Nice. And uh, this um, this well, get I'll- together is what day?
1: It's on Monday, a week from this Monday. I didn't bring a calendar. I didn't memorize it, so That's all right. we'll get
0: it out there. We'll yeah. it I'm sure. be. It'll, it'll
1: be at the art museum. It seats about a hundred. We're going to have it recorded because I don't think there'll be enough room for everybody, and I'll post the audio recording on our website. So at that after that meeting, several of the folks pushing the community form. Uh, is are organizing to prepare and fund an appeal that goes to the Growth Management Hearings Board. The superior courts get the constitutional claims, and the Growth Management Hearings Board get the non-constitutional contentions.
0: Before you go, can you expand a little bit
1: on uh, the status of the shoreline? Well, the shoreline appeals are on hold. I handled a case with the Pacific Legal Foundation out of Jefferson County, where we did not prevail in the challenge to the Shoreline Master Program that is in many ways the same as Bemidj Islands. And so we have a petition to take the issue to the United States Supreme Court. And the petition is set to be filed the first week of this May. Pending that, the the Baymage Agent Matter was placed on hold till we had a decision in Jefferson County. And there's still talk. I'm not sure now if Ecology and the city want to keep that litigation on hold or not. Some elements of the shoreline Master Program are being relooked at by the city, which is a positive process we endorse. <coughs> I'm going to leave everybody with one more thought because I seem to be coughing. Um, folks, one of the options here other than litigation – if there's an appeal that goes to the, Sh- the Growth Management Hearings Board, and I'm sure there will be, that process allows the city and citizens to place the appeal on hold while they negotiate what the citizens would like to see as more reasonable regulation. Interesting. And it's a good process. and I've had some municipalities buy into it. Despite some of the emotion of the moratorium and the new CAO, I am, this island is blessed with a bunch of smart people that care about their community. When the Visconti Project was here and there were hundreds of people against it, Visconti commented both to myself and publicly that, he, that they actually welcomed the opposition because that meant that people cared about their community. And that was important to somebody coming in to do a commercial development to serve that community. I mean, no offense to say Aberdeen or some of the communities on the coast that are dying. This is a vibrant, yeah, yeah, ocean shores. This is a vibrant community, and there's a huge amount of expertise to help. A lot of the people I think have voted for it. The fourth that did. They don't really know the effect of what they're doing. So the idea was we'll try it for a while and look at it. I'm not sure that's the best public policy, but at least it gives the opportunity to relook at it through the settlement process. And so what we've done before is appoint stakeholder groups of community property owners, some realtors and builders and whatever, local architects that have an interest and what we really need to do is choose an expert. That's The final point I'll make is in a Growth management Act appeal, the board has the authority to to hire its own expert, say in aquifers and aquifer impacts. Didn't they uh, elect somebody that's on city council to be that person? I, I really don't know. I, don't know. I do know that in the appeal process, we're going to be asking the board to appoint their own experts so they're properly advised on the real condition of the aquifer and the real, if any, impacts of low-intensity residential development. So that's it, the good, the bad, and the ugly.
0: Dennis, um, thanks for coming in. Pleasure to be here. Keep taking care of Mikey. and uh, well w- do. I want to give you a shout-out to thank you for all the things that you do for Dale too. He's a wonderful yeah, man and I know you one of look the, out for him. Yeah,
1: he's one of the last of America's greatest generations. So in the you know the sports bars great I go in there and I buy Dale a gift certificate to make sure he can have his he always has his cup of coffee, hamburger and a little side of vanilla you know, ice cream with chocolate on it. Yeah, he's I tell so you, sweet. The guys who went to World War II— my dad in heaven would never. Who was a sailor on the aircraft carriers? Would never forgive me if I didn't buy a sailor on the hamburger. <laughs> Dale's best. That's what I like about this community. I'm convinced reason will prevail. I think we can come up with. A, we've already come up with some effective regulations. The protections on pollutants and protecting the integrity of the aquifer that way are very solid. I just think the. Prohibition on the sixty-five percent's just way over the top.
0: Yeah, you should be able to use your land.
1: Yeah, and it's and I'm not, people aren't going to submit their land over. This is Bainbridge. The question becomes, why doesn't the city government trust its own citizens? Yeah. And Bainbridge, I and I'll hold the citizens up any time as being good stewards of their land.
0: And the government, it's those citizens themselves.
1: Exactly. That's when I come back to our Republican form of government. For the best of intentions, sometimes you can look at protecting the environment. But it's not – this thing always that there's just one issue or one way, I've always found that's a dangerous way to think. It's much more complex than that. It's a balance.
0: Well said. Thank you. You've been listening to The Bystander. Be kind.